but also helping with cortisol because of the alkalinity factor because it's not just what we eat how we nourish mm. our body but it's how we how we handle stress that will either acidify or alkalinize us Hello and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine, chiropractor, and functional nutritionist, and I'm the host on this podcast. And I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself. And on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, where we look at food and lifestyle as biological information that tells our genes how to express themselves. And so when it comes to diet and lifestyle, there are just so many key things we need to do. And today we're going to talk about the hormone balancing impact of keto and greens. So most of you guys know how how passionate I am about a ketogenic lifestyle. And I also talk a lot about anti-inflammatory foods, nutrient-dense foods, things like greens. And so I brought on a friend of mine, a guest who is a triple board certified Emory University trained physician, certified OBGYN and hormone expert. Dr. Anna Kabeca. And so she has a best-selling book called The Hormone Fix, which I would highly recommend for anybody out there listening. If you want to learn about hormones, how keto impacts all your different hormones, right? Particularly uh, your major sex hormones, definitely check out Hormone Fix, especially if you're somebody that wants to have a good transition through pre-menopause and into menopause. That book is definitely for you. And we're also going to talk about her new book, Keto Green 16. Dr. Anna can be found at our website. Uh, Anna, that's uh, drkabeca.com, Dr. Anna Kabeca. DrAnna.com, like Drana. There you go, DrAnna.com. She's also been all over the media. You've probably heard of her before. If you listen to podcasts, she's on like every podcast. So I, I've seen her on like everything I've subscribed to. So she's all over the place and, and for good reason. She, she really brings a wealth of wisdom, a wealth of knowledge, a lot of experience working with women. And um, she's just a, a wonderful person. So I'm really, really excited to have you, Anna. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm really honored. Thanks for having me. Well, absolutely. Well, I'm interested to know really how you got started, um, what your journey was like, and how you ended up finding the keto green, keto alkaline diet approach that you use. Yeah, because you know it's not something that your typical gynecologist is going to talk about, right? right. <laughs> it's really not, and it was part of my journey. It was part of my journey through. Uh, you know, an early menopause, a second early menopause is for our listeners. Part of my journey was I was diagnosed with early menopause at age 39. And I was told I would never be able to have another child. And that was devastating news upon devastation. And that took me on a journey around the world looking for answers. And as a result, that's where I experienced different healing foods and modalities. And I didn't discriminate on any healing modality that worked and, I, and, and foods and just learning about the tr- traditional medicine and traditional ways of doing things. 
and um, and how fascinating it, it really is. But as a result, it was able to reverse that early menopause and have a beautiful baby girl at age 41. And so I'm now 53 with a 12-year-old. And so keeping hormones really balanced is even more important than ever. <laughs> But at age 48, I started this a second downward cycle. At that point, I was single mom, single mom and dad, essentially, to my kids. And, and you know, um, it was just like I was in this downward spiral. And with that downward spiral, I started gaining that 5, 10, 20 pounds without doing anything different that my patients used to come in complaining about. They'd say, Dr. Ann, I'm gaining 5, 10, 20 pounds. And I'm not doing anything different. Help me. And initially, you know, I have to admit, you know, I would say, really, really, you're not. Like, surely you're driving through an extra meal or more sedentary or something. Well, when that happened to me, you know, I would say, God makes me humble. And it was frightening because I'd been, you know, well over eight Eight, well over 240 pounds, 80 pounds heavier than I was then. And when that weight starts creeping up, you're like, oh my God, it's never going to stop. And that took me into keto. But then I, I, I share that it made me keto crazy. And part of the discovery process, why was this happening? What's the underlying, underlying reason that I'm feeling this way? Because certainly with teenage daughters, you definitely don't want to be feeling that way. Yeah. And so that took me into the alkalinizing component of food and lifestyles. And as I did that and dug deeper into it, I found out more about how the, this, the combination effect really helps with insulin sensitivity. We know that with ketosis and our ketogenic way of living, but also helping with cortisol because of the alkalinity factor. Because it's not just what we eat, how we nourish mm. our body, but it's how we, how we handle stress that will either acidify or alkalinize us. And so that was, uh, that was tremendous because I had so much PTSD from a traumatic um, experience in, in early, earlier life that mm. that trauma was still under the surface. So learning the tips and being able to identify and test, I will say test, don't guess. So I make everyone do my urine pH test strips and ketone testing. And we do it urine typically and just check your pH and ketones at the same time and really figure out what's working for you and what's not. So my journey was this, this, um, discovery process that with this hormonal change in this menopausal time period, because I was at age 48, and again, I reversed those changes quite quickly within a couple months and um, continued resuming natural healthy periods till I think finally this year, I think I'm finally in real menopause. I can say I'm menopausal this year and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, so what a what a journey. And so so many women go through perimenopause, menopause, and have a tremendous amount of symptoms. And you talked about the weight gain. So what are some of the factors? Why let's talk about hormones. What 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 are the what kind of hormone fluctuations take place? And why do women have so many women have, you know, such uh, such bad experiences as they go through that? Oh my gosh, you know, there's so many reasons here. And it's really when we think about our major, like our for our sex hormones, and let me tell you, as a gynecologist, I want to say it's all about our sex hormones. It's all about progesterone, estrogen, mm. testosterone, even, you know, even want to say it's about um, uh, DHEA too. I mean, just throw them all in there. But it's really more about that insulin 
cortisol and the most powerful hormone, oxytocin, that hormone of mm. love, bonding, and connection, which you're getting plenty of with your three toddlers. Yes, that's your three right. Young ones, plenty of oxytocin, and and that's just such a powerful hormone. But as we're as we start hitting age 35, 45, we start to get the significant decline of progesterone because just because of the declining ovarian function, we're not producing as many eggs and follicles each month as we were in our 20s. So we have this declining progesterone. Well, progesterone is at the top of the hierarchy. You know, right under cholesterol, we make progesterone progesterone from cholesterol. We have progesterone and pregnenolone, these two very strong hormones and they're neuroprotective hormones as well. So they protect our brain, they help our memory, they help our thoughts, and, and they help our regulation. Progesterone helps regulate our period, progestation, like pro-life. So that's this major hormone to help mm. us. And so with this decline of the major hormones, estrogen, testosterone, DHA also starts to decline. And our adrenal glands, our adrenal glands that respond to stress are to pick up the workload from the ovaries. But if we're adding on stressful life, like, you know, mom with teenagers working, all of, you know, sole provider, you just name it, the many, the many stressors that we have in our 40s and, and, and onward that, or in our life in general, right? But, you know, add on those stressors, then we deplete even further our estrogen, testosterone, and DHA hormones. And so that leads to this transition. So as a gynecologist, patients would come in typically in their mid-30s, early 40s, complaining of PMS, right? Irregular cycles, heavier bleeding, more uh, breakthrough bleeding, or pa more painful cycles. And as a gynecologist, like, okay, well, let's use the birth control pill and Prozac. Let's just handle this right now. And then the patients typically come back and they're saying, well, I know I have no sex drive, right? We just knocked that out completely. I have no sex drive, not interested in sex. And not only that, but I'm having, you know, more issues with bleeding or can't sleep. I'm having insomnia issues, patients would say, or difficulty sleeping. I'm waking up, not feeling rested. I could sleep all day. You know, I just have crashing fatigue during the day and experiencing these um, symptoms. So, so that's what's happening with our hormones. We're getting that shift. Patients are coming in experience, not just the gynecologic symptoms, the reproductive symptoms, but the neurologic, yet we never put together mm. the two, have we? We really yeah, have it. Sure. But it's, it's crucial, this time period when we're having the anxiety, the loss of interest in sex, the fatigue, the difficulty sleeping, that this is neuro, neurologic mm. problems, neuroendocrine problems. And what's happening during this time, this is why I always say it takes more than hormones to fix our hormones, right? But what's happening during this time, this is this period of neuroendocrine vulnerability, age 35 to 55. And what's fascinating, because I had the brain fog, I had the irritability, I had the sleeping three hours a night, and and you know that especially a brain fog and memory loss. I mean, I'm a physician. I'm you know it was top of my class, yeah. and I had like lost my memory. And many clients would come in and say, Doctor Anna, I feel like I've lost my edge. And I totally started to see that. And you worry about, is this early dementia? Is this early signs of Alzheimer's? I mean, what's going on? Well, what's fascinating is that you know, gluconeogenesis, the ability for our brain to use glucose for fuel, is an estrogen-dependent phenomenon. I really believe mm. it's progesterone-dependent as well. But certainly when progesterone's declining, estrogen levels are 
are um, uh, sliding off too. But that ability for the brain to use fuel is hormonally dependent. And when our hormones are declining, we're basically starving the brain. It is mm. struggling. And that is that was so eye-opening to me because understanding this made a huge difference. But when we shift to ketones, that is not hormone dependent. Mm. So yeah. glucose is to gasoline as ketones are to jet fuel. And you give a perimenopausal, menopausal woman jet fuel in their brain. Woohoo! Life is good, right? I'm on my second book. A whole yeah. other online program. I've got two more in these last five years, and I was on a standstill. Like for right. from 2011 to 2015, I hadn't created another thing, yeah. and so that just shows you the power of using, you know, food as medicine and empowering our own hormones, understanding our physiologic cha changes. Because even though I was supplementing with bioidentical hormones, that's not enough. There are other factors besides hormones that relate into this, which makes it so fascinating. And in Keto Green 16, my new book, I talk about these other, these 13 hormones that really do continue to play a role in our metabolism and how we fine tune it with dietary and lifestyle um, interventions. But Mason, yeah, well, let's, let's talk about, I want to talk about those 13 hormones, right? So you mentioned several of them. Uh, I know cortisol right? Obviously it plays a big role. Let's go into those 13 hormones. If you can uh, explain each one of them, you know, I think that would be really good for the, for the listener. Yeah. Well, I don't know that I can explain every one of them, but <laughs> I'm going to hit some, like what were those 13 Short hormones that I put in there? <laughs> well, well, definitely insulin. Insulin's yeah. a big one for sure. Right. And that creating that insulin sensitivity mm. makes a huge, you know, makes a huge difference. So you talk a lot about insulin. I mean, that's, yeah. that's just so crucial. And then cortisol, the stress hormone, yeah. how also when we are stressed, that creates inflammation in our body that also cortisol increases glucose, which then increases insulin, which is then going to deplete more also mm. progesterone and testosterone. It's going to affect these other yeah. hormones that help build us up. Right? right. So if we have breakdown hormones, these catabolic hormones like insulin and cortisol, and that's depleting our other hormones that are meant to kind of fill the gap, so to speak. And that leaves us in this general deficit. So insulin, cortisol, um, we have progesterone, testosterone, four key hormones. Testosterone yeah. in women absolutely is, is critically important, especially as we're getting older. Mm. DHEA important adrenal hormone that's needed to make estrogen and testosterone as well. And I, and I use it, I supplement it a lot and topically in my Jolva formula for women with, for sexual health issues, yeah. for enhancing the pelvic floor and keeping that healthy, you know, just on that note, I'm a gynecologist, you know, I'm going to talk about this. Let me tell yeah. you, clitoris to anus, the most Im important real estate on our body, for sure. <laughs> it really is. Cause that addresses our quality of life as we get older from urinary issues to bladder leaking to prolapse issues and just general sensation, not to mention pleasure and orgasm. So keeping the pelvic yeah. floor is really healthy. So DHA yeah. plays and testosterone. I've, I've recommended your Jolva cream to several women and they've seen really good results. And that's the DHA that you put on basically topically in your vaginal region, right? And, Absolutely. Um, yeah. So really good for helping improve sex life. But then also, like you talked about prolapses that are in there, 
Um, what else? How about frequent UTIs? Would it improve yes, that too? Absolutely. Yeah. I have a, a client who is 56 years old and she um, raised her children. She'd been divorced 20 years and she um, met she met and and um, fell in love with this gentleman. And so she's 56 and she called me up mm-hmm. one day and she said, Dr. Anna, I'm having these recurrent urinary tract infections. I've been on three rounds of antibiotics. My doctor wants to put me on a daily antibiotic and I just needed to call you because you're my girlfriend doctor. What should I do? Right. And I said, well, increase your vitamin C to 2000 to 4000 international units per day urinate after you have sex and um, use Jolva and take a probiotic. So use Mm. Jolva every day, clitoris to anus, definitely put some around the urethra. You can also use it as a lubricant. And then I said, wait two weeks before you start where you have sex again. And, um, and she hasn't had a single urinary tract infection. In fact, they're engaged and just moved in this last week into a home together in Seattle. So I couldn't be happier. I'm like, I take credit for this, <laughs> you know, this upcoming wedding. I totally take credit because so many women struggle, have pain, and then power through, and then don't want intimacy because if you have pain every time you do something, why would you want to do it? Yeah, exactly. Right? It's such a critical issue and it's such a vulnerable space mm. for both male and female. Yeah. And, um, and so, so how does, for me, how does the DHA, how does the DHA, obviously it's going to impact testosterone, estrogen, progesterone levels. How does that, um, cause I imagine that the pain would probably be due to lack of fluid production. Right. And mm-hmm. also just poor tone down there, like poor muscular tone. So let's go into like how it's impacting those things. Yeah, great question. So really, because as as we get older, certainly lack of moisture. And with that, our actually our vaginal pH goes from acidic to more alkaline. So then it's Mm. more prone to infection. And the tissue, the tissues thin around the urethra also becomes more um, extroverted, so to speak, it kind of does an outpatching. So Mm. bacteria are more likely to get inside the urethra, you lose them, like just like I was telling women, you know, like if you have the under your arm, loss of tricep muscles, yeah. like we worry about the, the flapping underarm. Well, you know, our pelvic floor is, is muscle and fascia. And this muscle and fascia is sensitive to testosterone, progesterone, mm. estrogen. There are estrogen receptors in the fascia. And so one of the reasons that doctors will often recommend estrogen vaginally is to help with the mucosa, certainly, but it only helps with the mucosa. When we switch to DHEA and or testosterone, and in my Jolva, there's DHEA, plant stem cells from the alpine rose, coconut mm-hmm. oil, shea butter, and emu oil really helps that absorption. Mm. And so, but like fascia is responsive and muscles are responsive to androgen or androgenic hormones. Mm. DHEA converts to testosterone and estrogen at the intrinsic level. So even women who, and it's been very safe with lots of good studies, even in women who have had breast cancer. For me, everything I do, I would say, can I do this in my breast cancer patient? One of the reasons I created it was like, what can I do safely for my breast cancer patients? And how can I help them or other gynecologic cancers? So looking at that, thinking, okay, this is something that we can do. There's great research over a decade of really good research with this. And it just improves the quality of life. But the conversions at the cellular level, so you're not getting any significant systemic increase in DHEA. And I've been watching. I've been watching. I definitely right. increase women's DHEA in general through my Mighty Maca, through Maca yeah. Adrenal 
habits, good adrenal, you know, uh, restoration programs and good night's sleep, all that stuff that you do with your clients so well that, you know, makes a difference for our adrenal glands. And that's so important, but adding topically direct to the area versus systemically or mm. through pellets. I mean, oftentimes people are on testosterone pellets and still have vaginal dryness. And again, a little bit goes a long way with mm. hormones. A little so bit that's goes a really long good way. to know. So the Jolva is basically a localized boost in uh, those androgens to get things moving right there. And that's important because you mentioned like breast cancer patients, things like that. A lot of times your, your breast cancer, uterine ovarian cancer patients, these are, uh, they have estrogen dominance or estrogen sensitive cells. So you don't want a big boost in estrogen because that can cause more growth there. But being that this is very localized, um, you're getting the positive benefits there without, um, you know, causing a systemic increase in estrogen. Yes, exactly. Yep. Exactly. And so we don't see that at all. And yet, like just, we know testosterone and DHA improves muscle, improves fascia, Yeah, that this is critical. And one thing that women don't realize, in fact, many gynecologists don't realize it, it about the hormone receptors in the fascia, estrogen, progesterone, receptors in the fascia. So as we're getting older, those aching joints, stiffness, right? We experience that stiffness. If we are, look, you don't have to, you are not destined to, right? Mm -hmm. You know this. And um, it, it's just that we kind of say, oh, well, that's what we have to live with. And it's happening to the pelvic floor. We do, yeah. that is not okay because I've worked with women in their 70s, 80s, 90s, that really had compromised life because of pelvic prolapse issues and, you know, mm -hmm. loss of bladder control and, you know, significant hemorrhoids or anal incontinence issues. And certainly we can do surgery, but if we don't address these from a hormonal perspective, oh my gosh, we suffer. We yeah. suffer as we get older. And the number one reason that caregivers put their loved one into a nursing home is incontinence. It's like yeah. the straw that mm. breaks the camel's back. Yep. And so like I have four daughters and I don't need to give them a single excuse right. in addition to tuck me away somewhere, I'm telling you. Uh, absolutely. And that's also a symptom because I know a lot more women get Alzheimer's and dementia than men. And, you know, obviously we're losing the bladder tone, right? And we're losing issues there. But also, as you mentioned, estrogen plays a big role. Estrogen and progesterone play a big role in mental function right? And yes. so those things go hand in hand. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and mental function and cognitive ability and recall and the, you know, just being able to clear the brain fog. And as I worked with patients, yeah. especially those who've had hysterectomy, going back to our mother hormone progesterone, when, because often you're told as a patient, well, if you've had a hysterectomy, you don't need progesterone. Well, I've already made the point that progesterone is in the fascia. It's actually in the brain, in the breast. It means all over our, in our bones. We have progesterone receptors all over our body, not just our uterus. And so when I would add back progesterone, because you use it at night, I created mm -hmm. a cream too. I had to create things mm. for me. Yeah. But um, if you use it, either prescribe it orally at night or use it at transdermally at night, it helps increase GABA and it helps get us a mm. good night's sleep, that relaxation, that drop in anxiety, that nice 
restorative good night's sleep, and that can make a difference. So as I started using this for that reason in patients with a history of hysterectomy, they'd come back and say, Dr. Anna, I feel like a cloud has lifted. I feel better than ever. Like I have my memory back. I have my mm. mood back. And it, it was beyond getting a good night's sleep. It goes beyond that. Progesterone is neuroprotective. So it makes it, it's such an, and usually it's such an important hormone. And it's usually the deficit of which is usually the reason they ended up having the hysterectomy in the first place. Mm. Yep. If we don't address yep. the cause, we're going to continue to have problems. And so we produce most of the progesterone in the ovaries, but we also produce it in our adrenals. Is that correct? Yes. And so as we hit perimenopause, menopause, both our estrogen and our progesterone drop. But when women have a lot of symptoms, typically, and you correct me if I'm wrong, typically it's because the progesterone drops too much and there's too wide a gap between the estrogen and the progesterone. And oftentimes people will call that estrogen dominance. Can you explain all of that in more detail too? Yes, absolutely. That is that estrogen dominance. Um, 100%. Can I show you a graph for your audience? Yeah. Can I yeah. share? Okay. You know, I love graphs. You yeah, if you're watching the like... video, if you're on the podcast, uh, be sure to check out the recording here on YouTube as well. Oh man, you're going to love this because like, you know, I know you love graphs too. It's mm -hmm. like there's few of us and your audience loves graphs. Yeah. I have no doubt. So here's our hormonal shifts over time and I'll talk through it. So if you're listening, yep. you, you guys will get the visual on this, but you can see the, how this, this estrogen dominance pans out, you know, in mm. our mid to late thirties, we're starting that sharp decline of progesterone because our ovarian function is sharply declining. Our adrenals haven't picked up the slack yet because they're stressed out too. They're dropping down too for both men and women, DHEA, peaks in our 20s and then rapidly declines. Not yeah. fair, not fair for either of us. And testosterone's declining, estrogen's declining and swinging. We often get this, this gap because again, we're pulling progesterone down too fast and our adrenals haven't picked up the slack yet because we're stressed, we're doing many things. And, and there can be other, other reasons, toxicity and um, you know, just name it. We have reasons. So this estrogen dominance, this kind of shift between um, a more physiologic dominant, at least the second half of our menstrual cycle, we start to see all these symptoms, PMS, hot flashes, night sweats, weight gain, mood swings, brain fog, vaginal dryness, decreased libido, irregular menstrual cycles, dysfunctional bleeding, like breakthrough bleeding, sleep disturbances and bone loss. We experience all of this. And what's really fascinating is that we do, we see a 75% decrease in progesterone from ages 35 to 50, while estrogen is decreasing about 35% from ages 35 to 50. So it evens out in the end eventually, like in our mid 60s, we don't see the change as much. But think of this is what's happening here. And I talked about why this is, is so important is that our brain needs estrogen to use glucose for fuel. So in, in this, if you're watching in this image, what you're seeing here, this, there's a red line. It just shows glucose metabolism in the brain. And we see this drop off significantly in the perimenopause. And then, you know, it's a, it's a fast drop, kind of like that progesterone decline, right? 
Yeah. It's that yeah. fast drop, and then it levels off over time, postmenopause pretty steadily. But the second line you're seeing here, it's endocrine and neurological symptoms. Mm. So it's really this neurological vulnerability. And this is really great. The article was in Nature Reviews Endocrinology, mm. and it's perimenopause as a neurological transition state. So I said endocrine and neurological mm. state to show you that we're having those symptoms, anxiety, difficulty sleeping, irritability, mood swings, you know, waking up at 3 a.m. Those are neurologic symptoms as a result of fuel and function, fuel and hormones. So shifting to so this huge peak of symptoms that women are getting medicated for and operated on for, it's a it's a fuel problem. It's part mm. of it's a fuel problem, and we balance out the hormones so we don't see this rapid decline. So here we come in with lifestyle changes to improve our adrenals yeah. and supporting hormones with maybe a little bit of bioidentical bioidentical progesterone or bioidentical hormones during this so that the bottom doesn't fall out on us. So, so you, do you think most women would benefit from some uh, bioidentical progesterone? I'm uh, a big fan. Like as they're going through that perimenopause and what would be like the, what would be in it for the average person out there, a good conservative dose and what would be the right time? Yes. Like, and, time and of day so to take it. These are great questions, and this is something that I've really fine-tuned over the years and have worked to make accessible for my clients this information because it is, it's so powerful. I really, especially as more as we're starting to image the brain and we're starting to recognize this, and again, I think there's, you know, very, very new discoveries. So when we look at, um, uh, you know, I, I would just say that if I hadn't experienced this myself, I wouldn't know this. I wouldn't be here yeah. to explain this. So I, and if for anyone listening, if you have struggled with any of these symptoms, look, you know, my, I'm triple boarded, right? My, well, I got secondarily boarded after, uh, my third, my, sorry, my third boarding was after, um, my second, after I discovered this. So, but let me tell you, that's how powerful getting your hormones back in track is. I did my integrative medicine boards at like, yeah, you, how old was been, I? 51 or something. You've, you've been very prolific in the last several years, right? Yeah. Once you got your brain back. Absolutely. Exactly, exactly. So I just tell people, look, don't feel like you just, you didn't know this or you did something wrong. Look at my doctor's bag was empty. I didn't have the answers either. I didn't have the answers. I just kept trying to understand. And I think too, because I saw different cultures around the world as part of my healing journey around the world. And I saw how people were doing different living life differently. And it made me ask more questions. And, um, you know, and I knew I didn't want to, I didn't want to live this way. I didn't want to suffer and struggle because I saw my mom suffer and struggle for, mm -hmm. you know, my, you know, in, entire, you know, my entire life, basically. So, um, and then she died prematurely at age 67 because mm. we didn't have the answers. Yeah. We didn't have the answers. I was in medical school at the time or, or first year resident at the time. And I just wish I knew then what I know now, right? Would have made a big difference. That's why, honestly, I'm so passionate about everyone yeah. listening to this information because we don't have to suffer one more day, honestly. Um, so, so like in going back to your question, 
about how we use progesterone. So I typically would, you know, one of the things, again, for me, I created a combination of progesterone and pregnenolone in a topical mm. cream that's clean, free yeah. of endocrine disruptors. But I added pregnenolone in because of the whole brain, the you know, neurologic yeah. issue and that neuroprotective way of pregnenolone, plus also very, you know, I was a born OBGYN for sure. So I was a terrible sleeper. Anyway, it didn't matter if I was woken up five times during the night, right? I'm a terrible sleeper. So really in this perimenopause understanding that we need to really dial in sleep, progesterone and pregnenolone can both help us do that. And again, they're neuroprotective hormones, but plus can give us good cycle control. So when a woman is coming in and they're struggling with the irregular cycles, breakthrough bleeding, PMS, and I always tell clients, if you only hate your husband two weeks out of the month, it's your <laughs> hormones and not necessarily your husband. <laughs> so true. It's so true. <laughs> And so, um, so, you know, that awareness was really, was really important to me too. But what happens is, so when you're cycling, when you're having your menstrual cycle and again, do everything, detox, clean up your liver, get keto green, get, you know, take your bitters, really work on improving insulin sensitivity and decreasing the additional demands on, on cortisol and insulin in your body. That's going to help your hormones yeah. tremendously. Because your body will always prioritize stress and survival over sex hormone production. So your body's always going to shunt and, and produce cortisol and stress hormones if you're under a lot of stress and neglect progesterone production and so yes. you gotta get that in balance yes and not only if you're under a lot of stress but if you've had adverse if you're in this perimenopausal time period and you've had adverse childhood experiences mm. or post post-traumatic stress and yeah. that just we do it worse we do it worse when we've had that and so again progesterone is a very neuroprotective hormone and we take off that layer of protection and we have a lot more menopausal symptoms, neurologic symptoms, but it doesn't have to be that way. And this is where progesterone really comes in. So do everything that Dr. Docker says, yeah. right? You follow that regimen, follow, improve your liver, improve your liver detox, improve your gut microbiome, improve your digestion. And, um, and then, then supplement with some progesterone. You're still symptomatic, you know, supplement with some progesterone. So typically my patients would come in I would have them, I would have them uh, draw some lab work, get some lab work done. And while we're waiting on that, detox them, you know, essentially it's a following um, a very, you know, uh, my, very low allergen. So basically my keto mm -hmm. green plan for a 21 days and then have them come back in. And during that time, they, you know, they really decrease their, um, uh, no white, no wheat, no sweet, very little red meat. I mean, really cleaning up, cleaning up their diet, cleaning up their environment too, as much as possible, because to emphasize that things we're putting on our body, our skincare, yeah. et cetera, can affect our hormones too. So we need to clear that up. And, and patients are typically really motivated to do so when they're not feeling good and their relationships are struggling and they're feeling like they're aging prematurely. I know, I know I did. And so um, then I would have them come back in. They're already 90% better. Yeah. And then it would add on that little progesterone to get them to 100%. So if you're cycling, if you're having menstrual cycles, I tell clients on typically on cycle day 14 to 28 of your cycle, it really depends. Definitely if you're trying to get pregnant, starting it a couple days after ovulation or you know, at ovulation is better. But if you're you know, in your 50s, you don't want to get pregnant anyway. 
and it's not birth control, let me just say that, but using, sometimes you're symptomatic for three weeks, so you could start at cycle day eight to use progesterone nightly, and then you just take five to seven days off a month mm. um, in the menopause time period as well. Typically, when we're menopause for a while, we really don't like to take more than two or three days off a month. So yeah. I typically take at any one time. So I typically tell clients to take one or two days, you know, you know, one day off a week, like use it Sunday through Friday, take Saturday mm. nights off. So mm. and what's the a, typical dosage? So with, for my formula, what I incorporated in is approximately 20 milligrams of progesterone with 10 mm. milligrams of pregnenolone. Transdermals yeah. are, you know, are great because we're not um, worrying about liver metabolism. So right. we see a little bit goes a long way. So typically clients can start with a half a pump and yeah. for men, pretty much like five milligrams topically applied to the temples. I love that mm. if they're having yeah. insomnia issues. They do really well with a little mm. bit. For us, we need 20 milligrams typically yeah. on average, some more, some less. And that's where we kind of have to- You recommend on the temples for women as well or to yeah, get right I'll, into the brain? Well, so, you know, because I'm somewhat vain too, I, in my formula, I added tripeptide 29, so an anti-aging and to mm. remove age spots. Okay. So I, we, yeah, my skin. clients use on it on the skin, on the face, on the chest, the mm. massage area, rotate yeah. sites. But, um, you know, you got to put a cream on, add anti-aging hey. benefits to it, right? There you go, night cream. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. Yep. And then um, 10 milligrams of pregnenolone. But now mm -hmm. orally prescription progesterone would be bioidentical prescription progesterone, typically 200 milligrams at bedtime. Mm. Same thing. Because it's more potent when you're doing it transdermally because it's crossing right into the skin as opposed to going through your digestive tract. Well, yes. And 90% of it gets, 90% of the progesterone is metabolized by the liver. So that's yeah. why it's almost like 200 to 20 mm. That makes milligrams. sense. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And people can find the, the progesterone that you're talking about right on your website, right? Yeah. They can get it yeah. there. Yeah. So that's yeah, really, called. really great recommendations. Absolutely. I'm interested in that. And uh, my wife's get basically, she's 38. So she's moving into that uh, perimenopause. She, you know, she's basically in, um, what's it called? Perimenopause. No, no. Perimenopause. Does she does she hate you during any part of the weeks yet? <laughs> no. I mean, she's, she, oh, doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't. Recently, she had like two menstrual cycles in you know in like a thirty day period. She was like, "What was that?" Right. Mm. Um, so we did notice that she she had a history of endometriosis, and we were able to heal that. And then she got pregnant. We had, we've had two great pregnancies and kids and everything. But you know, she's obviously starting to get up into that that time frame. And um, yeah, she just recently had that issue. And so we were yeah. like, okay, I'm like, you know, I think you're moving into that, you know, premenopause type type phase now, 35 to 45, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, it's mm -hmm. that time frame. So I'm like, okay, we might need to look at at some other things. And she's been under stress, you know, things like that. So I'm sure that's a factor. But, uh, but yeah, but I was interested in learning about the progesterone cream and uh, that may be something that we'll experiment with. So, well, in, in cases like that, she's healthy. She's eating a yeah. healthy diet. She's doing this. So in a, a client like that, I would say, okay, she's got that dialed in, which is often the mm -hmm. hardest thing to dial in. So once she has that dialed in, I probably start with the adaptogens first. So like right. Mighty Maca, yep. two scoops a day, yep. let's work one to two scoops a day and let's just see how that works. And and, and then sometimes if we do need to use progesterone, typically I'll say, okay, for two to three months, let's even this out to your cycles back on schedule. And then let's stop again mm. and just see how you do. Because sometimes it's just that rest time. 
that additional yeah. support you need. It kind mm -hmm. of helps the endometrium slough all at yep. one time, so to speak. And so almost like a resetting when you're, when you're in this age and, and really healthy and you can just do it that way and then see, okay, how are we, you know, yeah, how, that's, how does that work? That's good to know. And let's talk about maca because you've got your mighty maca product and what do you love about maca? Oh my gosh. I love that. It is a um, panacea for so many things. And in, in Peru, when I was there traveling and I was infertile, they say, well, if you're infertile, drink maca. And if you're tired, drink maca. And then they would elbow my husband and say, you know what? It's the Peruvian Viagra, you know, drink some maca. And I'm like, of course I'm going to drink it. You give it that kind of endorsement. Like I certainly want those benefits too. And so um, I was drinking some maca, but I couldn't stand the taste of it, number one. So that was a, that's why I ended up with all these, trying all these other superfoods and mixing them together because mm -hmm. I, I needed to make it taste really good. So the benefit of Mighty Maca Plus is that it tastes really, really good. But mm -hmm. maca in general, and I had to understand the science. I was a scientist before I went to medical school and I, I really needed to understand how does it really do this? I mean, really, what is this, you know, tuberous looking root doing for us? So I, I looked at the science and the, the um, breakdown of maca is pretty interesting. It's really high in arginine, which is so good mm -hmm. for nitric oxide. Side, right. which increases blood flow, which lo and behold is exactly how Viagra works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's one. And the ancient, according to um, uh, the stories that were told, the ancient Incans used to drink maca before they went into battle to increase stamina and strength. Mm. And I found that to be really interesting too. And the research since has shown that it improves symptoms of, of menopause, of perimenopause, the hot flashes, mood swings, it can help both men and women in kind of balancing. And really it's that adaptogenic mm. component. But you know how like quercetin and turmeric, they are genetic adaptogens as, as well as resveratrol. Yeah. They're all a genetic adaptogens too. And I, I put them into Mighty Maca. But I really believe Maca has also this genetic adaptability mm. too, which is interesting. Yeah. So it turns on and turns off depending on um, what we're dealing with with the stressors and yeah. that's what I've seen because now I've had Mighty Maca Plus in uh, distribution for over 10 years and honestly mm. it is the best it is my go-to it is still like my daily part of my daily ritual yeah. and right now with all the stress and everything I'm at two to three scoops a day but yeah. it um it just has that uh, it's a nice combination in it Maca mm. in and of itself has had some great research behind it as well. Yeah, and I think about maca, I think about where it grows, Andes Mountains. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your typical adaptogens, they have weathered significant geographical stress, right? Like in intense heat, cold, they built this level of resilience, right? So you're taking in these very, very hardy, resilient yeah. compounds, right, that allow it to adapt to these stressors. You put it inside your body, and it's going to allow you to adapt to stress much more effectively, so yeah, really good stuff. Let's talk a little bit about the keto green lifestyle. You talked about how when you first went on a ketogenic diet, you went keto crazy, and then you found the approach that, that worked for you. So let's talk about that. 
Yes. Yeah. And so definitely with the entire keto green approach, figuring out, okay, here I was feeling keto keto crazy and understanding that irritability is not a way to parent. <laughs> you cannot parent well when you're <laughs> irritable like that. And, um, and, you know, didn't like who I was at that time. And so it, um, it the realization was that I, I started checking my urine pH and, and I was acidic acidic, acidic, acidic as the pH paper would read. And so I knew from the functional medicine perspective that I have to um, alkalinize. I had to alkalinize. So adding in those alkalinizing greens, uh, you know, increasing the Mighty Maca, adding in kale, chard, collards, beet greens, I mean, increasing that, that was making a difference. That shift, that helped with those symptoms. But what was fascinating is that the mornings I would walk on the beach, the mornings I would do my gratitude journaling and prayer meditation, I was more alkaline all day. I was more likely to be alkaline all day. And so that's cortisol. And that's why I yeah. want everyone to be testing urine pH right now. Because mm. as we increase cortisol secretion, it increases the secretion of hydrogen ions across the renal tubules, creating that acidic urine. And how amazing we can know that we're stressed by stuff just by checking the pH of our urine for the most part, or at least balance it out. Um, at least balance it out. So that's what, um, you know, so that's the beauty of, of part of getting keto green. So the lifestyle hacks and understanding what's happening if we can't get our urine pH alkaline, how do we discover and troubleshoot that? And that's a whole process. And for ketosis, like what if we're still struggling with getting keto adapted or getting into ketosis? Like what are the... Um, uh, the what are the uh, issues that are 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 happening there? And I'm a little distracted because I don't know if you saw my home. Yeah. My daughter was like in and out right here. It's like she's yeah. trying to get my <laughs> attention. So I apologize for that, but it, you know it's like it's a way of life for a while. It. I think I get it. I can hear my kids. They woke up from their nap. They're like walking around, <laughs> like dad. Um, <laughs> so 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 that's where really the keto green or keto alkaline concept and practice came from. And then I I took it from using it myself, but using it into some of my most difficult patients and then into my mm. online community where thousands of women have now worked on the self-discovery and getting keto green, which has been beautiful. And the biggest thing, like talking about some of those other hormones, like that, you know, adiponectin, just as we're getting mm. older, when we're experiencing that weight loss, despite not doing any, sorry, the weight gain, despite yeah. not doing anything different, it's not just about our reproductive hormones. Adiponectin comes in there and that plays a really big role because as, as we get older, adiponectin decreases. Now that's not tied to our reproductive. I'm trying to understand actually where, how, you know, like what is the clock that turns off adiponectin? You know, it's not just that we're getting older. There's like something around this 50 year old time frame. It's not, it goes beyond the reproductive hormones, but you know, adiponectin levels are decreasing. And so hence our metabolism slows down. We become more energy conservative. And so that makes a difference yeah. in our, um, you know, I think, I think uh, insulin resistance plays a big role in the reduction in the adiponectin. I think the more insulin sensitive we are, the better that we're going to have that adiponectin release from the, from those fat cells. So let's talk about a day in the life of keto green. What does that look like for somebody um, how do they put that into practice? 
Uh, well, I'll tell you a little bit about my day in the life. Like typically getting up in the morning and drinking a tall glass of alkaline water mm. and exercising. And that's typically the first thing that gets my mm. day off to a really good start. But wait, before I get out of bed, I do this um, Ignatian spiritual practice. I think, where did I see love yesterday? Where did I, you know, so where did I see God? Where did I see yeah in the face of God, or where did I see love yesterday? Where could I have laughed at myself more? Mm. And, um, you know, and then set my positive intentions for the day and gratitude for the day and this day that my eyes are open. So I start that before I ever get out of bed. And then, um, at, you know, either during my workout or after my workout, it's a, a shot of Mighty Maca with some apple cider vinegar and maybe a little squirt of lemon juice and, and mm-hmm. drink that with some water and, and shoot that down. So then I'm like flushing toxins right away, supporting digestion yeah. right away. And then I'll um, break fast. Typically, I eat by 6 to 7 p.m. because after 7 p.m., Women will, or certainly women and men, but will increase the amount of insulin for the same meal that we would have eaten yeah. earlier. So mm-hmm. that like, yeah, I don't need any help putting glucose into storage or increasing right. my fat storage. I don't need help with that. So typically by 6 or 7 p.m. and then break fast by 10 or 11 a.m. And so break fast for me will be typically a... Uh, a keto green protein shake. So for example, a quarter actually made this for Savannah TV yesterday. Um, a, a, it didn't turn out to be exactly the shake that I wanted to make because the ingredients were not available in the grocery store, some of them. like, So i like, okay, well, we're calling this the Savannah Immune Booster. But I had celery stalks, a handful of greens, um, some coconut milk, and some ginger, again, to support oh, digestion. Yeah. I know you're a big fan of ginger. Yeah. And um, what else did I put in there? A quarter of an avocado and some MCT oil to add extra fats, extra yep. fibers. When you're stressed, you're going to have more cravings. Mm. And so adding the extra fats can be beneficial. And then some of, yeah. you know, I use my keto green protein fat powder just to add that extra protein in there. And that's my keto green smoothie for the morning. So fat, fiber, and protein. And it keeps blood sugar very, very stable. Yeah. And then uh, for dinner, it looks like we're going to have my daughter, one of my daughters is cooking. And so we're going to have some steak and asparagus and zucchini and um, a side salad. So that'll be typically a two meal day for me now with my keto yeah. green 16 plan to, and sometimes I'll have something in between, but typically too, definitely when we're stressed and here with the coronavirus, I keep joking about the the COVID-10 is like the freshman 10 when you go to college and you gain those 10 pounds. Like, <laughs> so there's that, there's that COVID weekend. There we go. So we have to really yeah. um, be conscientious of like, okay, you know, creating a lifestyle of health in, in despite the circumstances that we're living in. Yeah, that sounds a lot like my diet. I actually really enjoy a good keto protein shake during the day. I love putting avocado in there. So that's typically what I'm doing for my first meal too. And that's so easy on the digestive tract too, because it's pre-digested, right? So it's really easy on the system. And then yeah, meat, vegetables, healthy fats at dinner. So absolutely really good stuff. Now, are, do you really prioritize food quality, like trying to get organic as much as possible, grass-fed? Is that important for the keto green way? Yeah, it absolutely is. In fact, too, like I encourage, I know it may be hard for some, but really a passion for others is small herb gardens. All the natural herbs we can just do and just cut fresh, 
um, that's just adding those herbs too, mm. just fresh herbs on anything that we can, we cook. Yeah. It just makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, I love it. Absolutely. It makes everything smell better, taste better. I always tell people, you should be able to really smell your meal. You want to salivate before you eat. That's a sign you're producing your digestive juices. That's a good Ooh. thing. <laughs> mm-hmm, that um, is good. So let's talk about what are your top five favorite keto foods? Oh, avocado, for yeah. sure. That's salmon. on my list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Salmon. Um, I love bison. I have to tell yeah. you, my ex-husband, my now ex-husband had a bison farm. So, oh, cool. um, so I loved, I, you know, I love some, you know, just a little bit goes a long way. And then um, really in just thinking of nuts and seeds, because pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, mm. um, watermelon seeds all have hormone balancing abilities too, you know, and certainly that a little bit, again, a little bit goes a long way. I mean, we can, I can easily eat handfuls of nuts, but we, you know, really being conscientious that a little bit goes a long way, especially when it comes to that, you know, even healthy fats, right? The number of healthy fats we're putting in our diet. Yeah. So good. Absolutely. Speaking of bison, I was at the grocery store the other day and almost all the meat was taken except for the the bison. So I just bought a whole bunch of chuck roast and because <laughs> we wanted to fill our freezer with COVID-19 and everything. Um, we never know what's going to happen. So we want to make sure we had our good, healthy meat there. It was interesting that all the bison was there. I'm like, okay, great. This is oh my gosh, that's the, pick, that's the yeah. best of the best, right? Yeah. Most people are like bison. What is that? Well, you know, most so. people don't realize that the bison buffalo have been protected from antibiotics and hormones. You Very cannot true. inject. Absolutely. And, yep. and so there's, there's, yeah. So that's yep. what's really fascinating exactly. about it. Yeah, if you're at a restaurant, you see bison, like out here in Georgia, they have a Ted's Montana Grill that I take my wife out on dates. We always get bison burgers or bison steak. It's usually a very good choice if you're at a restaurant to get bison. So uh, mm-hmm. so definitely look out for that. So um, it's been a great interview. Really enjoyed it. And, uh, and any last words? And uh, where can people find out more about you and your books? Ah, thank you. So just join me on my website at dranna.com. So Drana, D-R-A-N-N-A.com. And certainly social social media. My books are for sale everywhere. Books are sold and um, always have these great book bonuses to share with you guys, things that they don't let us put in the book, you know? I mean, so that's they, they run out of room, like only a certain amount. Nope, you have to cut out this section. So I put in some fun stuff like as bonuses. So food road, you know, keto green roadmap and some extra feast recipes. Cause you know, I don't know, you got to have feasting too, right? Yeah, David? Absolutely. I mean- <laughs> it's a feast famine cycle. You got it. Yes, I agree. Right. So, um, yeah. So join me in, in on my social media, yep. have fun on Instagram and, um, my Instagram stories. That's been, that's been fun lately, especially now really feeling yeah. able to connect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so good. We'll have links as well to uh, to her books, uh, The Hormone Fix, as well as Keto Green 16. So definitely check those out. Um, I know you get a wealth of information when you get those books, so definitely worth it. And Anna, I just want to acknowledge you for your innovation, for your loving spirit, and um, just the great work. Like I was saying, you're so pro- prolific. The programs you're creating, the products, the Jolva, the progesterone, pregnenolone cream, Mighty Maca. Um, you've really introduced a lot of great things to the functional medicine community. And, um, you know, for, for the younger people like myself, uh, you're definitely a great mentor to us all. So thank you for your expertise. 
and your willingness to share. Thank you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. All right. And so for the listeners out there, remember, you are more valuable than you think you are. So start taking action, improve your health, do it for yourself, do it for your loved ones, the people you care about, and do it for God. And uh, we'll see you soon. Be blessed, everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.